on today's episode of Strike Gold. We have Donna Griffith with us talking about how to tell your startup story in a way that will make people fall in love with you. You're listening to Strike Gold with Jonathan Gott and Roy Provarczyk, and today we have the legendary Donna Griffith. All right, guys, should, should, should I, what else should I say? I don't even know what else to say. I'm, I'm panicking. I'm shaking right now. I'm excited. Uh, Donna, hi. This is, uh, is Strike Gold. Hi, guys. Great to be here. I'm super excited. This worked out. So, corporate storyteller, mm-hmm. right? I heard about you um, many times in the last year and a half from people who were just telling me, guys, you, you need to look at this woman. She's basically crafted this 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 ex, this explanatory title that lets people really understand what she does. And it's not just about storytelling. It's about corporate storytelling. It's really about helping people, companies understand how to frame their story. I'm very happy to meet you today. I'm very happy to meet you. Um, <clears throat> and I'll, I'll let you talk a little bit about what you do and, and who you are. So corporate storytelling. Basically, when somebody says, so what do you do? I say, I travel the globe and help people not be boring. Um, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's like, that's like a one lot of my. Need help. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, most of my work is with very technical people doing very technical, mind blowing things, but yeah. they often focus on the technical, and I want to help them bring out the more mind blowing. So it's about telling the story of you and your company in the most interesting, persuasive way that anybody listening, whether it's your eight-year-old niece or your grandfather or your parents or a tech person will get it and, you know, okay, got it, but what's next? It's kind of like we have a need for framing things to be able to remember them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, and especially here in Israel, we definitely understand the whole concept of the tech being the most strong as we had uh, Efrat uh, on the podcast, and she was explaining yeah. how people get the CTO, and they never even think about the CMO. They think about little tasks in the marketing, but they don't think about yeah, the Yeah, like, they, w- they, they would filter the CTO that they get. They would, like, really spend a lot of time doing, like, the smart HR, get their best uh, R&D CTO. When it comes to marketing, they kind of bring this yeah. one person who's like, hey, yeah, you, you, this, here's a Wi-Fi. Yeah, uh, go, go work, yeah, go do your go. magic. Well, can I start with a little story that might actually Please. reflect? Because today is an yes. extremely special day. Um, so eight years ago, I got a phone call. I was still mm. living in Tel Aviv. And I answer, and it's this, uh, Hi, Donna, we hear that you, you do storytelling. We're participating in this competition that Google's doing to get an aircraft to space. Um, we don't have any money. Um, but uh, would you be willing to work some magic with us? We've heard a lot of good things about you. You know, and as a patriot and a Sunni, I couldn't say no. And I said, okay, come on over. And we worked for about an hour and a half, gave them some tips. They, they were trying to get the initial money to do it. Um, and here we are, April 11th, eight years later. And um, Vilashit is supposed to land on the moon tonight. And That's cool. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's weird that I didn't know um, about that. Like, I didn't know that they're landing you know tonight. Like, yeah, I, I guess yeah, I don't read yeah, newspapers yeah. and stuff. Um, oh, you're lucky these days. <laughs> but to me, I mean, I am there for companies. I've, I've seen some outlandish plays. I've seen some amazing plays. I never know what's going to rocket ship up and and to launch Um, and I'm not there to tell them your idea is good your idea is not good I'm there to help you tell your story in the most 
powerful way possible. And to do that, I I become a believer in the process. And a lot of times people ask me, then so would you invest? And and honestly. It, if I had the money, I would be investing in a lot of these companies. If I, you know, I hope to get to the point at some point where I can just work for for equity. Um, so you never know where an idea is going to go. And then, I mean, I, I, I've worked with companies like JFrog at the beginning of their journey when nobody could understand what the heck they were trying to do, and now here they are. They just acquired their third company. I like just a thought for a second that you can say now pretty much that a good story can help you reach the moon. Reach the moon. Ooh, yeah. That's, Some moon that's, shot. Put that on the website. <laughs> You're welcome. Yes. So thank you. Um, but it's, it's for me, amazing. And, I mean, they've had so many incredible people helping them along the way. I was a mere hour and a half there. But to think that, you know, I had a little part in there in the revving up the, the, the engines, it's just so powerful because, and I think our country is built on that kind of miraculous kind of moonshot of what are the freaking right. chances that, that this teeny tiny country would be the third country to put a yeah, spacecraft third, on the fourth. third or fourth? Fourth, I get fourth after Russia, China, and uh, U.S. Yeah. So I mean, everything that crazy. happens in the world is like Russia, China. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But see, so but that's... they'll be beastly on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a story that I like to... I, I recently, just since they've launched, I've, I've kind of used that a few times in my workshops to start off because a story like that helps entrepreneurs see that, you know, really anything's possible. Right. If you are. Yeah. And people probably told them along the way, you just need to give this up. There's no way this is going to happen. Right. The interesting thing is, I think that here in Israel, with all the startups, I think, or not even in Israel, I think a lot of the startups are basically someone who's trying to do something that's really going to make a difference, make a change. And it's and from the, the idea to the actual execution to actually getting to other people, um, yeah, they just need to frame it. Yeah. They just need to help yeah. other people yeah. see what they see. I think the interesting thing is that most technical or more technological-focused companies think that the technology is what... Well, at early stage, it is what's going to get you, like, foot in the door when you want to get, like, investors, when you want to get, like, uh, uh, I don't know, partners. accelerators, partners. But it's actually not, not, not having a good story is actually getting you stuck from mm-hmm. putting your foot in the door in terms mm-hmm. of marketing and mm-hmm. actually getting your clients. Everything, everything. Everybody thinks their clients also wants to hear all the complicated stuff, no. and nobody wants to hear that stuff. Um, I work with one of the VCs here in Tel Aviv. Um, they organize some uh, amazing meetings for mm-hmm. companies with U.S. major companies, and they bring me in to kind of work with the companies on their five-minute pitch. And what I've seen every single time, those that have a U.S. salesperson, usually a woman, sorry, guys, um, will start off, I'm saying, sorry guys, Ah, it's they're doing it, they're doing it, and it's, um, they know how to start the story with showing the value that their company has brought and getting people excited about it before they start trying to sell the product. So that's important in storytelling, and I call it the brag slide, and it's usually something that's for a company that's passed round A that already has significant, so we'll start off with that rather than wait for it. And VCs, they know how hard it is to close a deal with a major corporate. They know how hard right. it is to get an investment. So if you've already done it, flaunt it. Don't wait. And I, I mean, I see it, male and female entrepreneurs, they're like, yeah, but I don't want to brag about this. I mean, you gotta. But the bragging is just, again, it's like, it's like 
the bragging. It's like, that, like, no, it's like storytelling. It's very important yeah, because it's how you, you tell the exactly. story. It's how you frame it. This is what we've managed to do up until now, or this is what we're going to do. In the valley, they call it your north star. Yeah. Your vision, as you know, what's your north star? Where are you going with this? We're going to the moon. You know, it doesn't matter how we're going to get there and what technology yeah, we've used right. to get there. I don't think anybody watching this has any clue no. what kind of technological magnitude is going into the fact that they're landing this on the moon so precisely. I don't think anybody has the understanding of how, of how a microwave works. And, <laughs> and does it really are, matter? Because you get your food right. hot yeah. after a minute. Does it matter? Right. All you know is don't put metal in. You set it yeah. after a minute and it's probably going to be hot when you open it up. It's funny because when when I was thinking about uh, when you think about, when you when you're going on airplanes, I was I was I flew I was abroad for two weeks ago three weeks ago, and this is a the humble brag moment, right? <laughs> my, my writing book. my book, my writing book. my book. Yes. You know, I was actually writing. I know, I know. I, know. I, know. <laughs> I was actually writing. Here's the link. No, um, <laughs> um, no, and and I and when the flight attendants came at the beginning, they, uh, the, before like the takeoff. A year ago, they would say, like, turn off your phone, turn off this. And now it's like, yeah, you can just use airplane mode. It's okay. Which is, again, basically, before that, everybody would have reasons why you shouldn't use your phone. The signals, and, like, it's all bullshit. Like, yeah. it's Drop all bullshit. Plane. But, <laughs> but, no, but when they had the story with the signals, it was a good story to tell because it's kind of, you don't understand yeah. signals. Yeah, Most right. people don't understand how anything works. And it's then like, they had somebody oh. sitting there like, I'm an engineer, that's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> like, this guy saying, yeah. like, fuck you, like, yeah. this is bullshit. Like, I can use my phone. And they're like, no, signals. I'm like, I do signals. Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard I, one of uh, my best pieces of storytelling by a pilot. So you know how, you know, when they're trying to take off and everybody's taking their time, putting yeah. their luggage up, taking things down, and, and they have to take off at a certain amount of time. Yeah. yeah. And usually what does the pilot come on and say? Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. Da, yeah. da, 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 da. Like, we need to take off. Yeah. This guy did it differently. So he said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have exactly a 30-minute window in which to take off on. Then we will be on the runway for another 45 minutes, which means that by the time we reach our destination, there will have been other four international flights that have landed. You will be stuck in customs behind another 800 people. So I would suggest that you take your seat so we could take off in time. And what do you think happened? Everyone sat down as fast as possible. And they applauded, of course. I would love it if he would go off and say, like, if you don't sit down, I'm turning this plane around. We're not going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) No plane for you. Come back. (laughs) I think it's interesting that you were talking about, like, uh, the concept of, like, uh, like bragging in some way or saying the things that Mm -hmm. you've managed to keep us. Because I think that um, I've noticed now recently in the last couple, I'd say last six months, last year, um, a lot of people in Israel are willing to brag because of the concept of a humble brag. Mm-hmm. Where they're like, oh, we can brag as long as it's a humble brag. Well, what it is, is it's not a bad thing to brag if you can back it up. It's when people in you know, perhaps leadership positions uh, will yeah. toot their own horn when there's no substance. Yeah. When you've actually done the achievements, they speak for you. That's why I say it's usually around A and beyond because they've actually, you know, yeah. proved market product. They market have traction. They have traction. They have revenue. They have deal side. For an early stage company, I wouldn't start that way. Yeah. Because whatever you say you're going to you do, start? I would start from what did the the, the pilot the do? What did the pilot do in that story? What did he do to the people? What he was educated his, them? No, he did not educate them. 
advice. He, he, he gave about them the context. Thing. No. Uh, Go deeper. What did he do? What What was the difference between saying, ladies and gentlemen, we need to take well, the off? the last thing I, he said I, was the, the benefit towards the actual person. Yeah. Thank you very individual. much. Empathy. It's all about empathy. It's about looking at things from your passenger side, from your audience's side, from your user side. And it's about understanding their pain. They don't give a bleep about the fact you that say, you your record is... <laughs> yeah, we don't... There's okay. no bleeps here. I don't mean, I've, I've lived in America for long enough yeah. in the Silicon Valley. Fine, okay, so cool. so they don't give a crap about the fact that, that um, you know, the, the airline has to keep its uh, stellar yeah. record. They care about the fact that, oh my God, after a 12-hour flight, I might be standing in front of... Ever. (laughs) So it's about understanding that pain, and it's so easy, and yet we so often forget to do it in sales, not just Mm -hmm. in pitching for investments, because investors, really, what they're interested in is the money they're going to make at the end of it. So you have to be able to show a huge market, a huge vision, but you also have to be able to prove that your users are willing to pay for this and that what's out there is not good enough. And that's so, the challenge when it's new. So uh, let, let's uh, let's think for a moment about two types of companies for a okay. second. Mm-hmm. There's a type of company which I think I, I think it's easier to prove value. So for example, if you are uh, an analytics dashboard company, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Right, like an a, enterprise a, tool. Yeah, um, basically connect all your data warehouses mm-hmm. and like an mm-hmm. easy way mm-hmm. to show your data. Yep. So even just by saying an easy way to understand your data, that's already like a. That's already a story. Yeah, yeah, that's already the benefit. Better than just we're all ML-based, blah, 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 blah. blah, blah, blah. Though a lot of people do that as yeah. well, right? It's like well, I mean, a lot of the buzzwords they want, everybody's API, got my uh, machine learning and everybody's got yeah. AI and everybody's got blockchain now. and uh, but, but yeah, you yeah. want to give it some... Yeah, so that's like the main benefit and then you go like how maybe... I'm mostly everybody's like, I'm going to change the world. Like the, a lot of people are afraid to say things like that because everyone's saying it. Everyone's saying oh, it. Oh, I'm going to revolutionize, it doesn't, it doesn't, I'm going to change... Because I think that if you just say, I'm going to change the world... And there's no like unique, there's no unique hook to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just not interesting because it's like it's like so generic. It's not. Don't tell me. Uh, I mean, something that generic. Yeah. In what way are you going to impact the world? You know, what what's really going to be the difference? So, so going back to the North Star for a second and the vision statement, which is what I want everyone to have to start out with in the beginning. The vision statement is the why. Like Simon Sinek talks yeah. about the why. And that's not, you know, what are you doing or how are you doing that? We, we will get to all of those things in a pitch. But you start off with the why. With the where will you be in five years from now when you have changed the world or disrupted the market? What will the situation be? One of my clients, um, the vision statement was um, we help people by giving them peace of mind so they can sleep at night. Now, what does their company do? What would you guess? Stock exchange. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like a sleep app, sleeping app or no, productivity no, app. Or no, but you were actually close. Um, it was a company that was working with people to better manage their finances. Wow, it was sort of a virtual. So I mean, it doesn't necessarily, and it could be the same thing. I worked with another company, actually, they're they're here in Israel on um, protecting kids online and on their phones. Mm, I know what I think. I think there's a I few. There's a few. There are good ones. Okay. Everybody's kind of taking a different approach. Yeah. And I mean, as a parent. You're not with your kids all the time. It's right. it's scary knowing you know it's it's there. I would I would go somewhere like you know so, um, we help keep an eye on your kids even when you're not there or, or something right. along those lines. So it's what is it really going to have at the end? 
But at the same time, you've got to find a differentiation because you don't want to be saying the same message that your competitors are. Because right. I'll always try in storytelling to think like who the in, is sitting on the other side, the investor, right. the, the, the client, and, and go for all the difficult questions. And that's my second tip of the day. Always think what are the questions that are going to pop up and block them because as, as adults, we've learned for so many years and we always have these yes, but, yes, but, yes, but, yes, but questions. Yeah. And if we can intuit those ahead of time and already bring answers to them, it melts away the yes, but, and they're actually freed to listen to us. Also, you look more confident at that point when you have the answer for the thing. Yes. And the entire pitch is actually built around those questions, just by the yeah, way. That's kind of... So, I want to, I, I don't know if it's ask or comment, because two things. One is that when we uh, had Amir here, Amir Shrat, uh-huh. Good friend. and he was talking about how Amazon works, so it's yeah, kind of the same thing. that's what I was thinking, too. Because was he, was, about he was saying that before they launch something, they do like a PR uh, mm-hmm. piece where mm-hmm. they kind of write like You the, have to create a PR yeah. to express if to, the idea is a good one so they can envision yeah. the outcome. Yeah, and then everybody has to mm-hmm. go through the document and keep asking like, yeah, but are you cannibalizing on this other product? Hey, yeah. what does it mean for yeah. the market yeah. there? Yeah. And you have to add all these hard questions, yeah. and then you have to answer. And you have a more round, and I think it, it makes a more yeah. round yeah. answer. Well, Jeff Bezos builds up the idea a little bit more. You can visualize. Yeah, that's it exactly better, yeah. this. Jeff Bezos has taken a very interesting approach to communication, and in, in the fact that he's really making people think about what they're writing before they go into the meeting. And I've yeah. asked him, like, you know, what is it like being in the meeting there? And yeah, so it's extremely important to do that kind of dry run with yourself as to answering the questions that the other side. Sometimes we get so caught up in our adulation for our product, our baby, right. that that we can't see. And that's where I come in. I can be the objective eyes and ears to to help people take a fresh look at what they're doing. The good, the bad, and the ugly. What's mm-hmm. really working, what we need to bring to the surface, what where the loopholes will be right. and where we have to be ready. I also, I have on my website and, and within the resources I wrote, I, I compiled a list of like the hundred plus questions that investors will ask you that you need to be able to answer. So it's really also preparing yourself for those that, you know, okay, most of the answers you have, they ask a question you don't know, oops. So you don't have to apologize for it. It's a great question. Can I get back to you when I have all the data? It's better than trying to make something up on the spot. Yeah, 100%. Like it's always better to say I don't know than, and write it down. Yeah. Oh, thank you. have you. to write it down. Thank you. So one of the most surprising tips I've got from VCs, and, and I get to watch a lot of these very private sessions where VCs in the Valley who are incredibly smart, sharp, knowledgeable people that it's just, it's, it's, it's next level. One of the things they said is if it, it, uh, an entrepreneur is sitting in front of us, not writing, a CEO not writing, taking notes, and they all agree. There were like six yeah. of them sitting in the room because it shows that you're not coachable. And somebody said, well, what about taking your notes on a computer? No. Or on your phone? No. And your CTO or CMO cannot be sitting there. It has to be you. They said, as as far as we're concerned, take your notebook, crumple it up, and throw it away later. Show that you're actively listening and taking. And one of the things I've noticed about certain entrepreneurs from certain parts of the world, I won't say, is that we're so busy trying to defend our baby and go to that yes, but that we're missing the valuable insight, and then we look argumentative. And nobody wants to invest in an argumentative founder because they're thinking ahead to the next round. They're thinking ahead to board meetings. They're thinking ahead to when things aren't so great. Will this person be coachable? Right. So all these little nuances make a difference. 
That that's I think one of the best tips I've got as a person, not on the podcast in general. The, no, the take notes and what you just said about that angle because I I heard the take notes and it made sense because like yeah they want to show and the angle that I always got was like they want to know that you're going to do the research you've listened and you want to come back with answers yeah. you're serious yeah. Yeah. but the coachable thing yeah. I did not think of that yeah. angle which yeah. is basically like saying okay this person that can be trained can yeah. be it can be a conversation. Versus investors uh, aren't he's just learning a, all the time. That, yeah, I think for me, that's yes. what I like. He's, he's, he's open to all change. The time. Yeah, he's open Look, to change. Investors aren't to, just a check. They yeah. are there as a resource. And my goodness, some of these people that I've met are just incredible. The way they're so hand hands on. Um, I recently interviewed um, Tim Glare of Sierra, and and one of his CEOs, who their company was acquired, Treasure Data was acquired for six hundred million dollars by Arm, mm-hmm. and hearing the story from both their sides about how their relationship developed and how hands-on Tim was within this is incredible. I mean, this is the kind of thing, that's the kind of person you want on your side. Right. Not just someone who's infused money into your company. They had like 10 other term sheets. Then they met Tim and they're like, this is who we want. But that's, I think, the maturity of the industry as well because I think there was a long period of time where people just kind of, there's a lot of investors just like, uh, not investors, startups were just like, give me the money and yeah, I can, I'll yeah. know what to do. And unfortunately, I know a few startups that have rude the day that they did that. You right. don't want to just take money from an no, no. It's It's entering into a legal binding contract that lasts often longer than marriages do in this yeah. day and age. And you need to know who you're marrying. You need to know who that is. And it's it's like, oh my God, we're so desperate. We need the money. We'll just take anything. Is not a good place to be. You don't want to get to that point right. where you're you're starving. Because by the way, people sense that, and they don't want to invest in someone whose runway is about to run out. Yeah, it's, I think it's again, it's also like a, it's a sign on how you manage yourself in a way. Because I think because if, if somebody sees that you're at that point, so they're like, wait, they'll like they'll they wouldn't know how to manage your resources. And having one million dollars, five million dollars, or having ten hundred dollars in your bank account. You need to know how to manage yourself yeah. in whatever situation you're at, mm-hmm. and for investors, think that you don't know how to manage that, or they were not, you were not responsible enough. So that's also a bad signal for them, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the the second example I wanted to ask you about because the uh, analytics company, for example, that's pretty straightforward in what the benefit is. Uh, the, the the analytics dashboard example. Mm-hmm. What happens when you go to a, a much deeper uh, technological aspect, for example, I'm guessing. I'm, like, as I'm saying this, I think I kind of know Guess the, the answer, answer already. Yeah, but okay. but I'll, I'll, I'll throw it out. Do anyway. it for the users. Yes. Yeah. So so for example, right now your product is I don't know like a better way to manage your Kubernetes stand, whatever in your cloud, <laughs> right? Okay. Uh, that is obvious. Like that is not as uh, interesting or as as a spaceship going to land on the moon. Yeah. It's the size of a washing machine. Exactly. Yeah. Um, or the semiconductors, like all the all the you know the the, the, the dry stuff that yeah, yeah, which which eventually, by the way, the end product is also not sexy, right? Like sometimes you say like, okay, it's not in, it's not like what you do is not sexy, but the end result is very sexy. But for yeah, some of them, it's like eventually you create a chip, and mm-hmm. what is it that runs faster than whatever? Mm-hmm. But it's like it's not tangible. Okay. So how would you approach? So what's like sexy that? about it is the money it's going to make at the end because okay. it can truly make a difference in life. So when there's a story that's like a very back-endy deep tech, I always say do the as if 
life story, the day in the life of. Mm -hmm. So not everybody's a dev, not everybody's, you know, working on hardware. You need to kind of open a window onto their world and let us understand their pain and let us understand the pain for the company. So, for example, um, I often work with, you know, tools. There's a company I worked with recently that um, they have uh, a, a, a solution, a platform that helps manage IT solutions better. So think about it this way. So the metaphor that we used, there were these wildfires going on in California as we were writing the pitch. And for me, it was a very powerful metaphor. And I usually use things that are happening in the world to, to yeah. feed into the storytelling. So um, the, the California wildfires... Had, it was like $400 million of losses. People lost their homes. People lost lives. And that was just at the very beginning, the first few days. The thing is, these could have been prevented had there been better sensors going on. I mean, it was it was a faulty wire that basically in very dry climate. Same thing happens in IT. There is so much going on that IT are usually busy putting out fires and product can't create new things and create new innovations because they're so busy putting out fires. So if you had a way of somebody kind of saying, hello, there's about to be a fire here. Oh, we've already put it out. Thank you. So, I mean, yeah. that's, that's sexy because right. it's every minute of downtime is tens of thousands of dollars for a company. So if you can show that what what sexy is, companies that have experienced this, I mean, and again, we go to cyber right. or we go to anyone that's been hacked and even major companies have been, then you, you know, it's, it's, it, then it's just like the stakes are higher. I get it. A metaphor really works or looking at a day in their lives or looking at the money that was lost. So those are the kind of mm -hmm. techniques we'd employ. Telling that story was that what you thought the answer yeah. would be? Uh, yeah. Uh, no, actually, no, so, what no, would you do? I was actually thinking about whatever product you're creating, it, and if you like, it makes your target audience. It makes something better for them. Mm -hmm. So it might be the benefit is boring for the for the general public, but for the dev, exactly. it is very for like, the dev or for the devs manager yeah. Yeah. or the person you know that's in charge yeah. of the entire department because suddenly they're more productive, suddenly they're making more money, suddenly they're not being yelled at by every other stakeholder. Uh, what I, when I'm actually I mean, think, wait, just a yeah. small question because okay, so I'm talking to uh, the I don't know person in charge of dev, right? And I'm trying to explain to them about a product that again might help them, but it's not sexy to everyone else, right? Putting in the frame, the framing, framing it as, look at this huge wildfire. Look how much damage it created, and this and this. Is that correct specifically per, per for people who are more technical? That's more of an investor story, of somebody because I understand, from the outside. Like, as a human for the, being, for the people I can within it, if I was it. selling it to the tech department, if I was selling mm -hmm. it to IT, I would just be saying, "Aren't you guys tired of being the ones that are always yelled at for yeah. having other people's fires to put out? Let us help you with that." I actually had, um, I met this guy. And he, I think his company, you know him, uh, Lucid Geeks, I think it's her name, it's a creative agency. Oh. And he, he was working, I think, with Cisco, and they were working with their, uh, it was a cybersecurity product, and the, ah, okay, and they were, they were working, their target audience, like the people they tried to target, was like the chief security officer of like the companies. And they went and interviewed them, and they understood that the thing that bothers like the, the chief security officer the most is that everybody hates them. Mm. Why? Because every cool thing or fun thing you want to do is like, the, uh, no, there's a no, security risk. Yeah. Mm. And, and, They're the and buzz the, kills. Yeah, and the employees are always, yeah, but nobody's going to 
unpack my whatever app that I personally use in my and they're like um yeah but we can't and like the entire campaign was about like uh, it was about making them socially from being the people everybody hated to at the end of the campaign they'll be like hey we're Because. going out for lunch do you want to join us and that, that, yeah we and, that, and when he told me that story I thought it was like this is really interesting because He said, like, you don't have to sell them the technology. Like, they don't care. Like, they, they understand the problems. They know what the industry looks like. What they actually care about is that they hate being the bus killers. And what we say is the technology is going to help you go from bus killers to the people to you the want to cool bring kids. to lunch. Yeah, yeah. people are going to bring That's awesome. And that's, it's all a matter yeah. of how you spend the yeah. story. Um, and, and, again, I don't tell people... I tell, always tell people you don't want to lie you don't want to fudge your numbers because people will will, right. will find that out and you will lose all credibility but the way you position the story the order you tell it in the you know how you 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 weave it together it's your story to tell I mean look for example at, at twins that grew up in the same household they will probably right. tell a completely different story of their childhood because everybody has their own perception and And it's not that one of them's lying. It's truly the way they experience it. So all it is, storytelling, is taking ownership of your story. You become the author rather than, you know, just someone who's fed the line. Right. I, I, I want to, like, there's just a couple things. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so cybersecurity, just because I, I think yeah. this is a great, like, uh, example. Um, are there any thoughts about the concept of most cybersecurity companies go for talking about Armageddon they're talking about the doomsday situation mm -hmm. they're talking about the or negative. anonymous or the hacking or yeah. the, like somebody in the dark the room somebody in the dark room with a cloak like yeah that. exactly yeah. there's just a, a lot of them they all go for doomsday situation because they figure okay the way to get people to move on something like this is to, to remind them, them the, yeah, yeah. the fear mm -hmm. um, do you have any thoughts about that so people will buy either because of the carrot or the stick Um, either to protect themselves from something bad happening or to bring something good into their lives. In the case of cyber, like well, that, that, like it depends on the company and the industry. In the case of mm -hmm. cyber, it's definitely the stick. But you don't want to go over the same narrative. You don't want to scare them too much. They also know it. So I always say go for like the smaller story that, that, that opens their eyes. So there was a company I was working with um, recently, a U.S. company, um, So we started off, she had a five-minute pitch to give. It, it wasn't investors, it was like potential partners. And we started off with, uh, so you probably have all heard of the recent um, uh, Verizon hack and this hack and that hack, but you probably didn't hear about this Puritan Foods or something. I'm making it up, but well, I won't predict the name. And, and people are like that. So basically, it's a point-of-sale software mainly for um, hospitality. Um, they've got 3,600 uh, partners, and they had a certain malware in them that basically exposed 400,000. Mm, you, you go deeper into like how this could happen to yes. anyone, like the smaller yes. story. And yeah, that's what I was thinking. Was I think she was going to say, you might have heard about the leak, you might have heard the hack, but yeah. you didn't hear about grandma, uh, <laughs> Nana something. Yeah, exactly, Nana something. And Nana something who's, who's who lost all of her savings, and now it's just... So you kind of try to find the surprise thing of the, what, what's that? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to stand up and listen because this is not like the noise. It's like banner blindness at some point with they had to stop doing banners because we became blind to them and right. they had mm -hmm. to do things that surprised us. It's the same thing with stories. You have to find like an edge that... And then, you know, so, yeah, it happened to, with this small company. Another company similar working on something else, um, same thing happened with the photo kiosks that were at Walgreens and Sam's Club. And this, there was, it's third-party security. And there's no way 
to protect companies from third-party software, and we all have, you know, mm-hmm. tens if not hundreds of SDKs, and at this, right. and there's like companies like SafetyK, which are working with SDKs to protect. I mean, so it's it's about finding. I love the little nuggets of stories, and then if you can say this is somebody who we worked with, it adds to your credibility. Right. You know, or had they been working with us. So then what you can do is you ask what to do for a story like that. So you start, you know, something that's more dull. So you start with that story. And then later when you get to your demo, you say, okay, now let's look what we would do for that initial story. And then you go back and you've already created like the path in people's brains. So they're remembering the story of, okay, so the little guy that we worked with, here's what we did. Here's the steps we took. And then see, here's what happened afterwards. They have a flow they can follow, yeah. basically. Well, storytelling is all about a flow. Right. I mean, I did not create the flow of storytelling. It, it, it was, you know, we're talking Greek mythology. We're talking sorry, Shakespeare. The Bible. You wouldn't believe what happened with Seriously. me today. The Bible is a series of right. stories yeah. structured in storytelling. To teach you different things, and yeah. it's kind of like this whole thing. And, and that's the way people remember. Like, no, exactly, but, but that's the, idea the way... Is that that's how people remember, yeah, because that's yeah. how it touches people, I have having a, some sort of connection. I have an almost six-year-old and almost two-year-old, and all they want to do all day is hear stories. And they'll hear right. the same story again and again and again. And that's because our hard wiring from the time we're born is for the way stories are told. And they are just teaching their algorithms, basically training their algorithms for stories that later in life, if people are smart enough to use that structure, then the content can be creative and fun. Same eight movies. We're basically watching the same eight movies again for yeah. years because there's eight archetypal scripts yeah. that get rewritten and rewritten and rewritten. And it's not that we don't know what's going to happen at the end. I yeah, mean, it's pretty it's, obvious. It's come from the Bible, so they just go, Seriously. okay, well, it's going to reboot this it's story. Like a, it's like a Jung thing. It's like a psychological thing with the archetypes, there's characters, yes, always exactly. the same characters. But we still go and we give right. over belief because there's twists and there's new colors and there's new characters and there's surprising things along the way. And it makes it enjoyable, but our brain can relax so, because it basically knows the structure. Yeah, it's a, it's like going on a roller coaster. There's the, the, basically there's no, you're gonna down. yeah, you're okay. okay. not against a, kids watching movies and stuff. So uh, we <laughs> try to keep away screen time, and my six-year-old. It, it freaks out from Disney movies, even like so. You oh, know. like fear, like they, yeah, like, oh, yeah. Okay. She's, yeah. It, it, it looked. No, my son had a thing for that dinosaur one where the dinosaur father no, dies. The, oh, the sad things. Oh. Yeah. So the the Disney the movie, good, the, the, yeah, the good dinosaur, the good dinosaur songs. That, like, Some of these things are pretty scary. You look at it suddenly, and you're like, this is not something yeah, that a like little. The beginning of Up when on, the on, grandma. Not, so on Saturday, dies, this, this last Saturday. Whenever Saturday for you, I don't know what yeah, you're listening to that. You might know what Saturday On a, is on a some know. Saturday. <laughs> so we went to see this new movie called uh, Wonder Park. Uh, oh, I didn't. Is that the name in English? It's in Hebrew. I don't think it ever came out in America. I don't think it's, 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 it's like, like a small film. Yeah. You know what it is? It's, it's yeah, called Wonder Park? Yeah, 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 yeah it's with the animals in the yeah. park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the movie starts off and it's like super cool. It's like the mother is playing with the daughter and they're kind of imagining this huge park and like they let their imagination flow and that's, that's cool. and like the, and like everything comes to life like in their imagination and it's like everything's okay. That's like a fun movie for a kid. And then the mother gets cancer. And, then, <laughs> and me and my wife are like this oh with, with, with no. her daughter, with Emily. Now we need to explain no. to her what cancer is? No, they don't, they don't say cancer. She's like, oh, I'm very sick and I have to go for a while. And you see like all the things that you know from those situations, all the grown-ups. It's even worse all, listen, all, like the kids, like the kids don't get it. They see it like, okay, yeah, they're like, to go. Mommy's going to get sick. But you see all the parents day. on that theater, they're all like crying. It's like, <laughs> like this. And like grown-up people. And I was like, 
why like she why would you do that yeah she could have just gone for like a trip in Europe with Amazing. friends yeah, like, seriously. She, like I mean it's funny because my my little one um she doesn't get scared because kids don't get scared until they get scared um, but yeah. we were on the plane over and um, she was watching frozen and I think she's just watched bits and songs yeah. and all of a sudden she burst out crying and I said what happened and it was the part where Elsa where little Anna was knocking on the door you want to build a snowman and she because didn't have resonates. her sister oh my and God. it resonated for her like if she's the little sister that her big sister wouldn't come out and be with her and she just was heartbroken. Oh. So it's amazing how these things, they get it <laughs> at such a young age because yeah. stories resonate. That's why I forced you my kids to like <laughs> You identify with it and you think, oh my God, what if that happened to me? And yeah. that's what a good story does, though. Yeah. It has such power. I, I, have a, I just want to say one thing and then I have a question. <laughs> I just wanted to say that, uh, that I... I I sit with myself. I know that okay. So there's this thing that says I don't remember where we read this that the IQ that the brain basically the IQ and everything comes from the wife and not from the father. I don't know if that's true, but I already kind of have a feeling like my kids are unbelievably smart, so they definitely got it from their mom. So so I t- take it as my like job to show them creativity and help them yeah. frame things. Yeah, yeah. Um, you just try to traumatize them. That's yeah, that's I what try you to do. traumatize them. So <laughs> but I I I my son already has a thing. He's totally into it now that. I find classic movies like Princess Bride and all these things, and these are what we watch. Uh-huh, I love it. And then after that, I tried to help him uh, frame storytelling. Nice. So we had one where we we're like, okay, I want you to tell me the same story that they told, but you're the main character, and the situation is tell me something that you're afraid of. And he's like, there's a test in school, and I was like, great. Now we have to frame it. And there became this this uh, monster that's a pen. His pencil is a sword, and he has to stop stop the big test from coming and uh, all this stuff. That's mm-hmm. awesome. fantastic. And I love that concept that when people turn around and they go, oh, we have to keep our kids away from screens. I'm like, okay, you need to understand what yeah, it is. There's it. a beautiful thing happening with a screen. Oh, it's yeah. the best way right. to tell a story is with a, with a movie or video. My six-year-old goes to the Khan Academy school. The Ken Lauer Oh, okay. No, I have nothing to add You're preaching to the yeah. car. No, listen. No, no, no. I just it's, want to make sure. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's not a screen as a screen. And no, it's a screen as a light, actually. They sh- say that the light, the blue light of what? Yeah, so you screen, have to happens to, It stops the gray matter in your brain from producing, and right. then children can become So you don't want to have it too much, but the blended learning and the fact she's combining learning on, you know, she's she's almost sick. She's reading beautifully. My husband says she reads English out loud better than he does. But... She it's so it's the combination of their programs mm-hmm. on the computer and also the live learning. But they're an extremely hands-on school, so they're um, they just did a project each year. They do a project like a little startup. Mm-hmm. This year it was called Planet Kalos, and it was almost like a little escape room that took us through like 50 years from now. The planet has all disappeared, and we have to find the clues as to what happened mm-hmm. to reverse the damage. Wow. So the, the entire school lower ever. school yeah. from <laughs> kindergarten to seventh graders completely transformed the school, and we all got the chance to come and walk wow. through it and see the hints and decode things. Incredible. Now, one might say two weeks not being in class. Oh, my God. How much were they learning no, from this between so project, between problem solving? It's incredible. And 100%. I mean, we made a mistake seeing the school because we couldn't unsee it afterwards. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but it's 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 unbelievable. It's I'm, I'm like so a part of me is jealous and part of me is so happy that she's having a better experience right. yeah. than we ever had because this is the way. And Sal Khan, who's incredible and he's a visionary on, on, on education, he's broken the mold of what schools you know, are. I think that in some way we have 
had like you know when we talk about kids and how they're inside playing video games all the time and everything and we're yeah. like we go at this thing and we're saying oh they're losing something from their childhood I think that's what they kind of lose I, I, I think, like think of Steven Spielberg and all the movies that kind of had the whole stories of like children on bikes going to do some sort yeah. of thing E.T. right yeah, yeah E.T. You know, like, but uh, I, I, I never know if it's actually losing something or it's evolution of what because I because think it I, is evolution I, 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 I think it's evolution I, I think, but also but you, you build I think stories. you need to refine to like to reinvent that journey somewhere yeah. so that journey it can be like inventing your own game right that's one thing or the, what they do at the school yeah it's by the way it's a funny thing because I read this interview with Elon Musk about the education system and he said the problem is that if you go to school you learn what a screwdriver is and you learn what an engine is you don't and, and yeah and it's like you don't care like your mind like it doesn't resonate but if they'll give you an engine and say so repair this apart, and they're like hey how do I open this oh there's a screwdriver problem for this. solving what exactly. is it exactly yeah. hands on and it's beautiful so I mean I completely believe in them but also on the other hand we live in you know we live in Silicon Valley so we have incredible redwood forests all around every weekend we go hiking yeah I mean, we've really instilled in, I mean, it's, it's also probably the cheapest thing to do around there. So when we first moved there, we were so, but it was, it's so beautiful. And to see the love of nature that our girls have developed and also we've, we've rediscovered yeah. and it's just incredible. And anytime we want to relax, it's just, you know, let's, let's go take a hike. Yeah. Yeah. And and being that connected with nature, I don't think there's anything wrong at all with screens as long as it's done in a way that is. Yeah. is I think we have to frame the things that it's are getting brought. I, I, I think, I think it's do. it's the difference between being proactive and passive with yeah. what you do. So like with books, the good like the proactive part about books is when you read a book. Your mind you're has to work. You're stimulating it. You're seeing the picture. Yeah, because you don't really just read words and you're disconnected, especially as a kid. Um, and I'm dyslexic, and so I just try to read words. I don't. I mostly look at pictures. <laughs> I, mostly, I mostly have to make up whatever. Yeah, well, I make up the like story. It's like Lily sees head, a yeah. book without without pictures, but there's no pictures here. Yeah, yeah that's, like, that's, that's how I do it. Step. You know, that's my my step, kid's yeah. in second grade now, and he's like, "Hey, we have to read this." I'm like, "But where's the pictures?" Yeah, <laughs> said, this must be a mistake. Yeah. Um, do, do they have a movie for this? Do they? Yeah, they have an I'll app find for this. Do you have an app for this? That it's the Bible. Yeah, Silicon Valley. It's always like there must be an app for this. We just we just need to frame these things because. I think there's amazing things to learn from all these things but yeah. when you take something that an adult kind of matured into getting a phone and then you just give him the yeah. phone there's yeah. no frame well my husband will oftentimes the nights he puts them to bed um, there are these little 60 second or two minute clips called in a nutshell mm-hmm. that explain like how something was created how something was yeah. done and he'll watch it with those. them and they're learning new things there's so. a thing called like big stories what it's called big short big small stories something like that there's a thing on YouTube and they do these fantastic things where they show you someone who invented something or something like that. The guy who invented the super soaker, which was mm. supposed to be some really complex thing that that shot in a liquid into a engine or whatever, and he was like, "Well, oh, maybe I'll take this home for the kids to play with." <laughs> That's how it became. I've, I've heard, like, I, with, with my daughter, I have to say that I, I don't think I'm doing as much as uh, the creative part as I'm doing a lot of the um, meditation and psychological, the emotional part. That's because that's, that's, that's what no, but it's it unbelievably me. important. Also, because we live in such a like stressful yeah. time. Isn't that so, funny that we've, we've gone from storytelling into no, kids? but you know what yeah. it is. I, I, I wanted to like frame that. that also for a second. The idea here is that we're not telling you how to handle children. It's we're telling you how to handle the parts of your mind yeah. that probably need to be nurtured right. from your childhood. Yeah. But like, that's the most like, important part. So I, I've heard this the podcast of Tim Ferriss with uh, Joshua Whiteskin. I think I don't remember his name. And he was talking about how he's experiencing like meditation and 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 being like he's this guy is like top trained performers in everything. He was like a 
martial arts number one in whatever, then the chess master number one in whatever. It's like everything he does, it goes like from nobody to to A list in everything he does mm. because of like the mindset that he uses. And he talked about how he he found this thing with with his son is that uh, that that he said like everybody treats like the weather for example it's like it's a rainy day so it's a bad weather good weather mm. and he said like oh, I understood that that's like biased like yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah, weather like, it's, it. it's like a Buddhist reframe zen kind of thing it. right yeah. and and that got me thinking and, and he talked about how he did like the Wim Hof method with and his kid was getting very involved and everything like that's that's very cool and so I started doing this like with with Emily, not not the Wim Hof thing. I think putting your like four year old in the extreme cold is, is weird. <laughs> but he does it. This guy says that oh he does God. it. I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna get in trouble with someone for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That sounds like like the like, uh, take my dad's always telling me for the, whenever I do something creative with my kids, he's like, they're gonna take, take your children away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like so, they can't. <laughs> um, well, I'll, they actually I'll can't. Hide them. <laughs> them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tried to do the most immature yeah. answer. Yeah. Um, so so we so we did this. So a few days ago, we came back from. Um, we came back from like a, a capoeira that she's doing whatever and she got insulted for something not not really insulting she was just like running through the streets and we like don't run through the street that's like don't she started crying because she was got upset anyway so we started talking about like she's like what do you feel and she's like keeps crying and like what no but like physically what do you feel so like I feel sad no but where do you feel in your body and then you start talking about emotions and where you feel them yes. and how to breathe into those emotions etc and like now you have this kid who kind of breathes in through wow. so, so she gets like crying and panicking and then like you start breathing with her she's like, we just need to give our kids a boot camp the way we switch them you take it for like a week teaching yeah. them to breathe their shit <laughs> on these that. creative videos there's, there's there like you a go. summer vacation there you coming go. start up. Like a, start up swap yeah. a kid so, yeah, okay. Now I'm gonna jump off that. That's, and go that's, that was a Michael, that was a Michael Jackson startup. That didn't okay. Oh, <laughs> let's go there. Uh, oh my gosh! I'm telling you, I'm losing. I'm losing my idols to to. To yeah. documentaries on Netflix. I haven't been able to watch a Mel Gibson movie in 10 years. Right. I can't listen to Michael Gibson. I feel, like, I feel oh, Mel Gibson is, is cool. not as bad as. Oh, no. Yeah, it's in a different way. But that, I mean, if that I took extreme, my yeah, God. Yeah, I know. But I, I saw so I saw this on Yes, like the head on VOD. I think I told you that. So I was looking, and uh, so there's two documentaries. There's the Michael Jackson one and there's and the R. Kelly one. Yeah, yeah. And I was like looking through the Michael Jackson, like two parts of two hours. Oh, my God. This guy did some bad shit and then I go to the R. Kelly one it's like six episodes and I'm like oh my god this guy needs some shit anyway yeah uh, I wanted to ask um, okay so uh, okay so under the title of corporate storytelling which is the big <laughs> picture and it's over it's like an overall kind of strategy also for a marketing department you, the storytelling is basically the roadmap for them to mm -hmm. say how am I like this is what we want to tell this is the story we want to tell um, because we keep talking about investors, and for me as a marketer, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm Same with as, the, the client, like the users. Yeah, so I I look at the users and say I want to tell them a story. Now yep. the big picture of the story could be like I want to get them to X, which is like further down the line, and I know that that's going to take me a year to help them get to that realization. And I'm going to divide into different campaigns, and I'm going to push different uh, like parts or angles to help them see the bigger picture. Um, I'm trying to understand, you know, is there a strategy to that that, that you could recommend? Is there some sort of, like, way that you think is the correct way? When you come to a company and you explain to them, here's your big story. Mm -hmm. like, this is what you're going to, this is what you guys are doing. And this is what you're, you're portraying outwards. Mm -hmm. um, is there, like, some sort of advice or, or tips to, you have to, for, to like, how do I break vision? this down? How do I, well, how do I express this to people? Does there... Usually I come in if I'm working with a large organization because most of my work is started. So if I work with a large organization, um, 
they're well branded. Even startups for me are large organizations sometimes. Like I'm talking about what's Monday, let's say, for example. Is how many employees? Monday, you know, how many I worked with them when know, they like, were in their earlier days. Like and they bef- Yeah, mm-hmm. when they were DePaul's, um, on, and it was more on the investor messaging. But No, but I'm saying like even a company like that way. now, there are three they, floors, they have a whole bunch of employees. For me, that's so already that's a big already enough a company. company. Yeah, yeah. They just company. did a major, re- major rebranding. So usually yeah. the companies that are, you know, at that point that they've already raised significantly no. and they're growing um, have as, as a stage of when you're a, you're a startup and now or a company and you start to realize I need to be doing right. branding and not so just so I get in on the much more um, granular piece of just the stories that of how they would communicate it out to specific stakeholders whether it's your end users whether it's your partners whether it's your board of how would you communicate that to the different people and, and to us. so I'm not a brander I don't, you know, do the big vision branding. Um, I oftentimes, I mean, I'll come up with copy, I'll come up with taglines, but I don't purport to position yeah. myself. I and mean, there's an incredible people out there that I've worked with. And usually, oftentimes, companies will come to me and they'll say, like, we need to do this. And I'm like, you know what? I think before you come to me, you need to work with her because she's an incredible brander, positioner. She knows how to do that. Right. And we often will share clients and then she'll send them back to me when they're ready to do the more granular storytelling. So for me, it's like finding their voice. Once they have like the vision, now it's like, how are you going to talk? Right. What's the persona you're going to set up when you're actually telling your story? So, so, so I don't know if I can give advice with no, 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 that. that's fine. That's great. That's, that's good enough. I just I want to understand also, yeah. like, just so if I'm creating a story now for for users in some mm-hmm. way, for me that's for me that's in sense branding in some way. Maybe mm-hmm. branding is understanding what the outcome of that story needs to be. I need them to associate this with, I don't know, uh, helping me or or keeping me safe or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. But generally, I need to now tell a story within some sort of campaign or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, to help lead them to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like, what do you want your voice to be? How do you want people to be to feel when you talk to them? How do you want to explain yourself? And again, I, I, I don't quite know how it all happens. I have some kind of a filter in my brain. I, I, I wish I could model it and, and understand. Um, I just kind of sometimes know okay, this is the story. This is the way I tell your story. And then I, I tell them and I get their yes, that's it, or it's good, we might have to, and then we mm-hmm. iterate on the spot. It's a very collaborative process. It's not me going off to some retreat and coming back. I work with them. They they provide me the straw, and I have to spin it into gold, like Rumpelstiltskin, or, or, or you know, I sometimes use the metaphor, I'm, I'm a big foodie, so, you know, you buy the, the, the top-notch ingredients, you bring me the filet yeah. and the chanterelle mushrooms, and, and I it season that. it and cook it. Now, I'm not a graphic designer, so we still need somebody to do the plating at the end, but right. uh, but it's, it's taking great raw ingredients, but you can't eat, like, just a hunk of raw beef. I mean, I guess you could, but it, it, you want to cook it perfectly, and you could ruin it also. You can overcook it, and then right. it's done. So we have to when do you just do, right. When you do collaborative, like you said, it's obviously taking the straw and, and making it into gold. So how much of the story is is taken from the, the you know, CEO or whoever you might be meeting with? Like, how much, like, I feel like a lot of CEOs and people I've met have have a, a story that, that they need to tell when they're looking for investment in the beginning or when mm-hmm. they're a startup and they're mm-hmm. fighting just to get up and, and mm-hmm. running. And then there's a story that you tell later on mm-hmm. and the story changes. How, this is how it's gone so far and this is where we're going next. Yeah. So then for me, I've always told, like, I always say it as, like, um, 
you created something and when you have your hands all over and it's all yours you kind of break it down you make it into whatever you think it needs to be but once you release it to the world the world defines how they really use it and how they grab it and how they see it mm-hmm. a lot of the times that's how mm-hmm. I see it happening mm-hmm. with the different mm-hmm. startups um, someone will create an app and then that app will go out and people use it a different way and then you're supposed to continuously do research into how users are using it and how they're doing it and keep feeding into that positive and build it out into something mm-hmm. and it might be very different than what you thought it was going oh, to be yeah. in the beginning. Oh yeah. Oh, stories transform all the time. So I just worked with a company in England um, that are on their B round now and they had to come and tell they've, they've I wouldn't say completely pivoted, but they've created products now that's taking their incredible AI and moving it towards sustainability and moving it towards, um, I want to say justice, like tax and making sure that things are going right. And they had to explain to their board and to the next investors why this is the right move. And they know it is, and this is what they want, and this is what they believe in, and it also is a big market, but we have to bring all those factors together to be able to tell the right story. And and it, it, it was a challenge, but we cracked it. We cracked it. I mean, after our first meeting together, they came back and they said, we presented this to some of our board members, and they were really happy, and I'm like, hallelujah. <laughs> it's like, I always, I often do still have imposter syndrome. Here I am talking to these multi-million dollar companies, and I'm, I'm coming up with these things, and I'm like, who the hell am I to tell them right. what, what... Imposter the, syndrome. I've yeah. never heard that before. You're kidding I, me. The way, I've never heard that. What really? I call it is, I, I usually explain it to people as, you know when you're playing... I said it to Roy, actually, like, like a, I think this week. I was like, you know when you're playing video games, and you know what you're doing and everything, but then for the one second you think what button did I press to do that all of a sudden you're like what am I even how did I do this that's the flow that's like if you were Chick Ten Mahali and he talks about the moment when you look up and you go wait how do I know that what I'm saying is right? And you're like, wait, am I? Involved? Yeah, well, so the imposter syndrome, I think, and that's a big thing in the Valley that people talk about. I mean, well, now with another documentary with Elizabeth Holmes and Taranis, um, it's like, some. Pe- I'm not talking about the people that are actually being fraudulent, but we kind of look at ourselves all of a sudden and we still feel like kids in a way. And like, we're telling people yeah. to yeah. tell these things and make these things. And, it's scary because am I doing it right? Am I saying it right? But you know, you just have to believe in the process, and it's always nice to see the validation and see that it worked, and, and understand that it's not always going to work. And okay, let's have another session and, and fix it. It's 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 okay. Yeah, I explain to people with creative as being like being a person who comes in the room and has to be creative all the time. It's very weird to be um, because some people you just creative. You have a creative idea. You have a creative moment. You have a creative thing. But I walk into a room, and from the moment I get in there, I have to be just the yeah, core yeah, of you creative. have to manufacture your creativity yeah so then I said like just, in some way there's a huge amount of it that's just believing yourself believing yourself yeah. believing yourself yeah. believing yourself no matter how stupid what you think might you might have said just kind of go just keep believing yeah. in yourself for a second yeah. because and it's a muscle there. so the filter in my brain that I call it I, I, I'm always worried like okay will it be on today will it be off today because uh, it's not something you feel in control and that's exactly the, the optimal flow that, that you know musicians get into this space or athletes that are runners that they say I wasn't you know fully there I don't know quite yeah. what happened I was just there so that's the flow and it, it, there's no way to get there it just kind of happens and it's, but I see it as a muscle. The more yeah. you work it, the easier it gets because you train your AI. Also, I have yeah. machine learning algorithms inside my brain, and the more of these decks that I do, and the more that I, I, I think because I think we all have flows on how we do things, as you said. And again, like the, it's it's like writing. 
right? Like the more you write, the easier it gets exactly. to write. Exactly, so true. And and the more you write at the same time every day, it's easier. It's okay. This I'm gonna turn this yes. on right now yes. because you know what you you know, you know what your brain needs your in order to right. get there. So you know, for example, if you're very preoccupied or very stressed about something, you're not gonna be in that flow, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if you're going to a room and you have something like sitting on your head, like you're like a monkey on your back, and and, mm-hmm. and uh, and you have to be creative for that hour. It's very hard, I, think, yeah. I guess, to be creative. Yeah, I usually come in, and the first thing I do is I know that I have to make everyone laugh. Yeah, because the moment I take when I come into a, I have to make everyone laugh. I have to find the person in the room who I can make the most uh, laugh and make the most discussion mm. or and have like a witty back and forth nice. kind of so humoristic they, so thing they just to like release they get a creative the pressure, yeah. so that you can now say stupid things in front of these people and not feel ashamed or afraid because right. it's a creative session. You're supposed to say things. You build off of it. You also have to help them feel that comfortable to say right. things yeah. that are stupid. I, I want to ask. Um, so. You you mentioned a few times that there's like types of stories mm-hmm. and there's eight right five or eight types of stories. Those in the movies, yeah. Yeah. yeah so. so for startups, mm-hmm. do you feel that there's like a specific or limited amount of stories that you said like eventually I did four stories over and over again with mm-hmm. the different colors based on the startup. Yeah. Well, the the story that I tell for an investor deck or for a sales deck is a framework of storytelling. I've taken it and and um, turned it into a method. I, it's, I, I don't take ownership on what it is. I've just made it very bite-sized and easy. So every client that engages me, they get a framework to prep because I, they shouldn't be paying me to sit there and dig through mountains of data. That's something that they can do themselves. Right. I come in and I, I want you know, white smoke at the end of our two-hour session, and you have a deck in two hours. Right. Not designed, but it's all scripted out. So I don't want to waste time on the, the trivial. So they have a framework. So I've created a framework for the story, for the investor story, for the sales story, for the demo day story. Those are the main things that they need. The partner deck is very similar to the sales deck. Um, but within that, so the framework is the same. It's like, you know, you walk through a city you see different buildings, different heights. They look all different. But the, what they have in common is they all have a solid base and they all have a frame that goes up before the walls and the windows and the paint. You don't see that frame. It disappears later. It's invisible. Right. But if it's not there, the building's going to collapse. So we, the frame is the frame. There might be a bigger frame mm-hmm. because it's a bigger company. And there might be a smaller frame because we're just starting off. And then we can broaden the frame as we go or we can knock it all down and start over. So, yes, it's the same exact framework time and time again. And people are like, yeah, but, you know, problem, solution, it's so old. Uh Uh-huh. So is Greek tragedy. So is Shakespeare. It's old, yet it works. And yet the same things keep getting written on the back of those masters. Do you you have the framework or... If yeah, you can share absolutely. it just like with Also, like on my website, um, if you look under resources, I've <laughs> created the ultimate series, I call it. The ultimate investor deck, the ultimate mm-hmm. sales deck, the ultimate uh, uh, competition deck. Um, and I, it, it's, it's in a way, when I first did it, people were like, are you crazy? You're giving away all your secrets. This is your secret sauce. This is your recipe. And I said, look, I mean, a chef could put out, again, food. Yeah. <laughs> a chef can put out a recipe for their most prized dish. And some people will say, oh, this is awesome. Now I'm going to make this at home. This is fantastic. And some people will say, wow, I can't wait to visit their restaurant and see how they right. cook it. And those are the people that end up coming to me. And I'm very happy that my recipe is out there for other people. I mean, I'll get emails from people all over. Hey, I just watched one of your videos. Thank you so much. It really helped us at our college 
college pitch. And these are people that they can't afford it. And I'm, I'm super happy. I also put out a video course for that. Yeah. for more of a do-it-yourself. And it's like a series of 67, one to two minute guiding through the process because I wanted to give an alternative to mm-hmm. people. And yet, oftentimes, people will complete the video course and then take me up on the offer of, now let's have an hour session, take off the cost of the video course, and let's do it live. Because people are lazy sometimes, or they can't find the words themselves. I think it's a matter of experience, because, you know, it's like, like through stardom, through my company, I got to work with a lot of junior social media, a lot of people, junior copywriters. And at the beginning, they come up with things that they think are very good, but you know that it's just lack of experience. Mm. Or they, for example, the a lot of the um, slogans that are like very big but doesn't mean anything, yeah. like the change the world, yeah. Whatever, yeah, yeah. without the, the context of yeah. the story, they come up with like oh, we have this thing, we're gonna have work, make the world better, and like yeah, it uh, means nothing. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but but because they don't have the so a lot of entrepreneurs yeah. are the same way that you can teach them the framework, they they don't have the experience and the mindset that you have to say okay this is gold this is not not well I mean with entrepreneurs it's it's deeper than that too because um, not all entrepreneurs have the skill set of being a good storyteller some do I mean some you meet um, like. Oz from HoneyBook, um, yeah. I worked with them very, very early on when they were in Junction, and they just, he gave a brilliant pitch. Like, I mean, I was jaw-dropped, and he's an amazing speaker. And so some people just have that knack for telling the story, even though their story has evolved a lot over the years. Um, but some people don't, mm-hmm. and that's okay. It's just important to know. Now, why would you spend hundreds of hours working on a deck, have 37 vision, versions of it, you've spent so much time on it and it's still not working. I come in for two hours and and, and we're done. So it's like do you really want to be spending your time on something you're not great at? You should be doing what you're great which is creating a product, building a company uh, selling and you bring on other people that that to fill in, you know, a a CEO can't do everything even though at the beginning a CEO is doing everything. Right. What I'm trying to think about is like because eventually being a good storyteller or telling a good story mm-hmm. it's not being a good story telling a good story there's a difference yeah. there's a difference between the delivery and the content yeah, yeah so that can make the world for any company yeah. right that, yeah, that's like yeah, literally yeah. the difference between like you telling a story and the investor is bored or uninterested or uh-huh. you talking about what you do to a potential partner not even a business partner but just somebody who can talk you up later on uh-huh. and build a network uh-huh. you know, when you meet somebody at an event and you tell uh-huh. what you do and you say what you do and it's not interesting yeah. that person's not going to remember like, you okay, right thanks. like Jonathan for example I think is very memorable and he's Jonathan is, a, is an amazing storyteller the way I see this as a person like he knows how to tell jokes he knows how to tell like the situation yeah, he's really good empathetic at, and, yeah. and just you know Mm-hmm. So, so like I think that's when you, a natural knack. Yeah. It's, well, it's talents versus skills. So, so something. I, 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 I think it's a combination because he's, he's also the working on, on it a lot. Well, yeah. you, you were you, some, it, he was born with the talent and then he honed the skills yeah. out of it through yeah. the years. Yeah, like his father is is doing PR, so it's okay. so like it's, yeah, but it's, just, uh, it's been nurtured think, from early think, yeah, on. Nurturing is it? Yeah, 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 but so. Um, and the thing is that until the, I think for a lot of people until the point you hear a good story uh-huh. you don't understand the difference. Uh-huh. It's like again, it's like copywriting. It's like yeah. it's like you can say yeah, but uh, we say the same thing, but like the words were different, which made a different impact. Yeah. And they don't understand their kind of story sucks or doesn't work yeah. or is not interesting yeah. until they hear like the better version of their own story. Right. Right. So 
Um, just as because I know we have to wrap up in like uh, in a few minutes, I think what will be the indicator or if there's a startup founder marketer listening to this right now uh-huh. thinking they own it, uh-huh. it uh-huh. and they don't, uh-huh. most of them don't. Uh-huh. What would be the thing that you say that needs to drop like the needle? Like saying, this is how, how you recognize your story doesn't work and you should, like, you should get help. Like, um, well, Einstein said it best. Um, insanity is doing the same thing again and again and again yeah. and expecting a different result. If you are trying to sell, if you are trying to raise and you are getting the same answers, you might want to rethink the strategy, either your story or, or, or your product. Uh, I mean, I can't change the product. I can yeah. only tell the way the story. So if you're getting bad responses, if people are not getting it, if people are looking at you like this glazed thing, if people are shutting you down, you might need some help. Now, oftentimes people bring me in and they have marketers and they're kind of like, I don't you know, quite know how to do this without making them feel bad. And I'm like, look, I'm not here to step on anyone's toes. I'm here to help. Because it's coming in and looking at things from a 30,000... Uh, foot view and then and zooming in I don't ha- have stake in the company I I get the stake because I, I truly have to fall in love with the company and, and, and be there for them because I become almost like a mercenary member of the team because I really get into the DNA of, of the story and I always say at the end of the session if I can tell your story and I have no technical background no business background no financial background anybody can tell the story that's my benchmark yeah and then usually at the end of the session, I'll get like a job offer. Would you like to come be our salesman? Thank you. No, but um, but <laughs> it's leads. it's if I can get into that place where I get it and I can tell it, then I know it's good. So you your indicator should be it, that yeah. other people yeah. are getting it. If they're not, it's like that episode of Silicon Valley where they do their user testing with other engineers. And, of course, the other engineers are getting it and loving it and telling them they're crushing it. And then their product's tanking. And they make them go out and do focus groups. And they get pissed off when people are saying that I don't get it. How do you not get it? And that's what engineers oftentimes don't get. How are you not getting this? This is so clear. It's clear to you because that's your world. I'm coming from a different world. I don't know your product I don't know your industry but I, I mean I've done enough with others that I can I yeah. mean I've worked with everything from brands of uh, organic absinthe <laughs> to your, chips your organic to absinthe the testimonial yes. part Amazing. of your website is like infinite scroll <laughs> an hour to get to like I wonder where the contact asks uh, maybe it's in the footer and then you have to scroll yeah, five yeah, hours find that footer <laughs> <laughs> no it's, it's, Ooh, it's good it's, note I should have a contact button and it pops up all the way yeah because, <laughs> because, uh, you scroll down and, and, and what I love about this is that coming from the same industry is that you start by just, first of all it's like it's like an impressive list of Thank people you. first of all it's a long list of people <laughs> but I li- what I like about this is as you scroll and say oh I know this guy like, I know this and person and it feels like you're going through either your contact list or, or your friends list or your yearbook or your yearbook or, your yearbook, or Facebook yeah. both in quantity like this like this like I think you're the website with the most testimonials wow. I've ever seen. <laughs> I can right. thank my husband for that he made me put them all in. <laughs> he, he's, my, he's right at yeah. some point you're like is this is, no? This can't be real. No, oh, I know this guy. It, well, it I mean, real. then you can it reach out real. to the person and, and see because it's all like, I, no, like it's, I, it's completely I, transparent. Yeah. First of all, yeah. no, first, first yeah. of all, it's a hundred percent real. Oh, thank you. Like, <laughs> like I, I see these people and I know a lot of them and I'm like, yeah, 
oh my god and you just keep scrolling and like I, I'm just gonna text I, you on I am super I lucky can't get to the, I can't get to the bottom of the I page. am doing what I was put on this earth to do and I was lucky enough to discover it at a young age and to kind of we were talking before about storytelling and, and somebody you know I ran into somebody from Israel that I'd never met in Silicon Valley and he's like oh my god you're Tana do you know that you're the mother of storytelling in Israel and I was like Really? Oh, that's that's cool. Thank you. Because I, I can't own storytelling. Yeah. Nancy Duarte and there's so many other great storytellers. Simon Sinek is an amazing storyteller. But um, I think I did bring it here uh, back in 2008-ish. I, I, I've been doing this for 15 years, but but I started working with startups in 2008 when everything kind of imploded in, in enterprise. And all the accelerators were starting then. And, and I had to make a pivot into the world of startups. I had to completely reinvent myself. And the way I did it was I started doing services sponsorship. I would offer competition saying, you know, let me come in. Our, mm-hmm. our accelerators work with your teams on their pitches. The All I want in return is put my logo up there and thank me at the uh, after the event. And they'd say, you know, thanks, Donna. And I'd be like, who's this Donna? Who's she? And, 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 and little by little... If you do good work, yeah. people start to talk about it. And I still get referrals. I haven't lived here in four and a half years, and I still get referrals from Israel. So I know I'm doing something right, and it's 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 humbling and exciting and wonderful that, that I still... And, I mean, living in Silicon Valley and seeing the way companies do business and investors do gives me a completely other level of insight helping companies. Because, I mean, with all due respect to Israel, you have to break into the international market. Yeah, and it's a different mindset. Nobody's standing there with the red carpet out, guys. No. And if you come thinking you've come from some elite unit, nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody knows Israel is startup nation. Sorry. It, it, that's not what they would think of yeah. the first thing. And we think and we live it. And this is so and we're very proud of that. And that's great. And that's true. And we should be. Not everybody construes it that way. And that's where we have to come with a bit more humility. Right. Like you don't, you don't go to the valley and I was like, oh, Israelis. Yeah, come. Oh, oh my God, you're from Israel. Israeli. That's it. Let me yeah. get my checkbook. I'm meeting an Israeli today. <laughs> we have a secret club. Yeah, Jews never go. Into yeah. like, never, never <laughs> when I when I came that. to the valley, I realized that if you if if Silicon Valley was like a huge screen, then Israel's like a little pixel on the side, right. alongside a lot of other extremely talented nations and people. Right. So it's it's we've got a lot more to prove and storytelling. So so when I started off bringing the storytelling and creating the pitches in more of a story way it was still on that cusp of time where people didn't think they needed help with it and marketing is bullshit we can, we don't need it we just need to build a great product the problem is you can have the greatest product if it's sitting on a shelf what good yeah, is it doing okay the, cool. there's tons of value I was like I want to sit down and think for five hours like I don't want to I, want to, I don't want to go back to I know. work. I want to, I know. I want to sit down and what we just discussed. Oh, we know it's a good fun. podcast if we just don't want to leave. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, wow. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, thank you so thank much. You, thank you. I'm happy um, we had the, 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 and doing it face-to-face. I am, better. too. Yeah, this, this is, is cool. I, this, it just couldn't have worked out better timing. I, I, this is awesome. And yeah. um, good luck to you guys and thank any you. listeners out there. We, that, we just did help with storytelling <laughs> what Strike Gold is. Well, I, I love the title um, because I think there's so much gold out there. Um, and I'm trying to think what it evokes for me because sometimes when you're mining gold, it's very frustrating because all you're coming up with is rocks. Right. And you keep coming up with rocks and you keep coming up with rocks. And at that moment that you say, I ain't doing this anymore, you might, the next scoop could be the gold. Right. And 
and it's like you have to continue and you have to keep going and maybe get better tools and maybe move things, maybe move to another spot. But if you truly believe in it, that moonshot. Right. And you truly feel that this is something that's driving you and it doesn't let you sleep. Then, then, then keep doing it. Keep doing it. I love the stories of the companies that have, you know, everybody told them we're not investing. Yeah. You're not going to do this. And then they go off and they do it. To me, that's the most amazing thing. Company that haven't raised a single VC dollar. And by the way, guys, it's not just about getting VC money. Go out and do as much as you can on your own blood, sweat, and tears and dime. And then you go out with so much more power. Agreed. 100%. Donna, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Guys. Thank you. Uh, the regular uh, yeah, so regular if thing, you guys. like it subscribe. love it like it share Review. subscribe comment do all all of the above <laughs> share it with yeah. a friend if there's a button on the website click that if you even <laughs> even if you have a friend who's not very good get telling stories just be like hey you should be listening to this yeah. um So hack people's phones, subscribe yeah, to yeah, the podcast. Yeah, do it all. <laughs> Thank Whatever. you so yeah, much. Do your thing, do your thing. You, yeah. you do you. You do yeah. you. <laughs> you, do you. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.